0: Hi and welcome to another episode of People of Cinema podcast. Uh, I'm Carrie Kears here with the wonderful Winton Wong. Hello, hello. It's been a while. It has been
1: just a minute. <laughs> but new, Year- new Year's are the time to to
0: New take Year's a break, new beginnings,
1: Re- refocus. Yeah.
0: Um, so how, how has it been in New York with all the snow and the ice and the cold? You know cold? what? It has not snowed as much as you would think it would. Um, it's actually, fingers crossed, spring is beginning. We're approaching like 40 and 50 degree weather, which I'm very excited about. So thanks, global warming. Um, very excited for winter to be in the past hoping that like what is it groundhog whatever animal creature that is did not lie to us and let us down with promises of early spring.
1: I mean, I think he's like statistically even less accurate than like flipping a coin from what I remember.
0: Oh, but, I mean, probably.
1: <laughs> but How's California like
0: 91 last week or whatever?
1: It's like super duper warm. Uh it got to the point where I felt kind of bad because there was ice there's like a little mini ice storm in north carolina and i, I you know I called my mom like hey how's it going she goes oh i almost like slipped walking oh no um, how's it going in california i'm like oh it's like 90 degrees it's 90 degrees like i'm really warm like when i walk to the train i'm quite warm and it's like really uncomfortable uh but i can't complain can't complain it's it's nice since we haven't really talked about film and TV and media since December uh what has been like your top couple of like news stories or or things that have happened that you'd like to talk about?
0: Briefly? number one thing on my list, I am so excited this is finally happening. It's been in the works or rumored to be in the works at HBO and Showtime bounce around. Uh, the last five-ish years, possibly longer. Um, a adaptation of American Gods uh, by Neil Gaiman. It's a fantastic f- contemporary fantasy novel um, about basically the old gods of uh, mostly. In this book, it's mostly focused on Norse mythology, um, but then it brings in other um, sort of traditions, you know, like the dying out of the old uh, gods as we know them and the rise of new gods like technology and, you know, things of that nature. It's very, it's a wonderful book. I strongly recommend it. Um, and it's finally happening at HBO and they cast a black guy in the lead of this um, very popular fantasy drama, very popular high you know, (laughs) high-budgeted fantasy drama. Um, And it's interesting because he's supposed to be the son of the Norse god Odin. Um, And they were very much like, well, he can be biracial. Why not? And they just cast a black dude, and it makes me incredibly happy. I cannot wait for this to come out. Uh, I think 2017 is their shooting. Uh, yeah, I mean
1: it's it's interesting. I think ever since American Gods got roughly kind of greenlit when it was being chopped around, people were really worried about the casting of Shadow because Neil Gaiman was pretty, I guess, like particular about how he described Shadow, where it wasn't like very clear yeah. exactly like what the, his skin tone was. But it was always that he was he's a, a bit of an outsider, and, mm-hmm. and he's a bit and you can you know that he's somehow visually different. Um, because with a lot of the other god characters, Neil Gaiman's even a bit more explicit about, like, she has, like, very white skin, and, and he yes. does not Like, one mm-hmm. of the, um, the, uh, the, oh, what's his name? Mr. something. Oh, you're talking about Ana- Un- Anastasia? Oh. Mr. Wednesday. Mr. Wednesday like, is Odin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, like, he, it's, like, very particular in terms of how he describes him physically, but skin color is never left explicit. to the imagination yeah right um, and so i know that there's always been a desire for shadow to be of some type of person of color um and like it's really great to hear that they've they've hired somebody that has like actually a great track record he's on a yeah. hundred mm-hmm. and i've heard really great things about him so congratulations congratulations to brian fuller for for leaping on to that as well and then congratulations brian fuller again for being the new showrunner for uh cbs's new star trek that oh, will be yeah. exclusively on uh on cbs and on, on their digital platform which still hasn't been sussed out what exactly the details are but you will be paying extra to watch that new new star trek in some way um everybody is is holding their breath crossing their fingers that brian fuller will just make like the gayest of captains on that on that ship, <laughs> because that's literally the last thing that Star Trek hasn't kind of dealt with um, in terms of the main casting. You know, if they had they've had women captains, they have colored captains, but they've never had sexually uh, not heterosexual captains. Mm-hmm. So everybody's everybody's seeing what's happening. That's not going to really start moving until at least twenty seventeen. Uh, so we'll just keep waiting but Brian Fuller is all up on that social media game so I'm sure we'll be hearing (laughs) something soon very exciting Um, any other news that
0: was I guess outstanding uh should we talk about the good news at ABC or should we wait
1: I mean it's good news it's so ABC had a recent like executive shake shake up um, for a variety of different reasons That has now uh, Caused I guess and she's absolutely earned it
0: mm-hmm. To
1: have a Woman of color as the head Of um, Essentially ABC Studios And and uh, ABC Entertainment So her Her uh, job Includes Not only programming um, And this is Channing Dungey not only includes programming, but it also includes development on the ABC Studios side, uh, which is a fantastic job. She came from the drama side; um, she was the executive for ABC Drama um, and helped with a lot of the things that we think of when we think of ABC. She brought us scandal. Also, yes, but that's also Paul Lee. and that's I. True. There's a part of me that feels really bad. So Paulie is is the one that's leaving. Um, he really was one of the first executives in 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 the network ecosystem that really pushed diversity Mm -hmm. um i don't know how much of what we think of of abc in terms of their family sitcoms with fresh off the boat and blackish um i don't know how much we would have seen of that if polly wasn't Mm -hmm. at the helm of the ship claps and kudos to polly uh, best of luck to him wherever he goes mm-hmm. um, rumor has it he might go back to the BBC um, he's originally from the UK so mm-hmm. maybe he'll be able to do some fun things there. the BBC
0: could also use a great deal of diversity as uh, Iger Selba did like a whole presentation um, I don't know if it's entirely for the BBC I think it's larger is it more broadly for like the British I guess some sort of like film commission board or like whatever mm-hmm. like the sort of arts ministry is over there, and he just basically looked fine the entire time, and <laughs> did a whole presentation about the importance of diversity—not um, just like from the perspective of like an actor of color, but just like what it do- what representation like does for people, um, and do- and how it should reflect the culture of you know the country that they live in. Like Britain's a very especially well. London is very diverse, um, and many parts of Britain are also very diverse. Um, not all of it, but, like, a lot of it is. So they're like, it should reflect our culture as we know it. It should not be all white people all the time. Which is, yeah, is a, definitely. a lot of what BBC's content is much of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so on the ABC front, before we kind of move on, is... I don't know what exactly is gonna happen with ABC they're kind of in a very comfortable place but apparently Ben Sherwood who is the co-chairman and kind of the big boss um, Mm. at through Disney isn't happy with a lot of things Um, the question is how much is Channing Dungey going to change things to make Ben Sherwood happy? Because I think ABC is really creating an, a niche for themselves in terms of creating really great serialized content that's mm-hmm. backed by really great sitcom content. Like, it's a great diverse portfolio. Yeah. Not not even just talking about diversity, but, like, diversity in terms of types of programming. So I'm curious to see what happens at ABC They've probably mapped out, you know, some development and things for at least the next like two quarters. So we're probably not going to see anything big happen um, until maybe the beginning of, of the winter seasons. Maybe like mm-hmm. when those that's probably when the announcements are going to start coming out. But I will hope that Channing Dungey kind of stands her ground um, and Me too. and kind of tells Ben Sherwood that like. They're not in a bad place. Um, yes, they're third, but that's okay. Third is okay. Third is a great place to be. I think it's in a good this starting point. Landscape.
0: And just because you're third now, does not mean you know. Especially like it's pilot season right now. Come fall, everything is can reset. Anything can change.
1: Right, so. and I think ABC has a bit more wiggle room when it comes to pilot season. Um, so CW, who's technically last in, like, the Big Five, they've kind of, like, backed themselves a little bit into a program corner, I think, where they have so many, like, series that people love, right? Mm-hmm. Jane the Virgin, The 100, Arrow, Flash, etc. cetera, um, where people would get too angry if they ever were, like, removed. But the thing is, like, they don't get that many people. Like, it's a lot of noise, and so i'm not entirely sure how cw is going to be like improving essentially their metrics while maintaining this like great reputation. They have a fantastic reputation, but realistically they need to increase their numbers and from a warner brothers perspective like the cw may be their most kind of like profitable portion,
0: mm.
1: but like it's still not as great as I, as i think they hope. Um, yeah. Especially because I imagine Batman v Superman is going to flop real hard. Oh, it looks so bad, Wendy. <laughs> um, it looks but awful. I, but I think it's going to do really, really well internationally. Oh, absolutely. It may bolster Warner Brothers. So the thing is, with with Warner Brothers is, I follow The Rock on Instagram. Like, everybody should follow The Rock on Instagram. Oh, man, I will, I will um, do that. But he, he posts it, because he posts fairly often, and... Um, that San Andreas two is coming out because San Andreas one was Warner Brothers' highest grossing
0: movie ever, or just uh, well for the year for, for the, the year, year. okay.
1: Um, and that Drain like Dwayne the Rock Johnson is the highest grossing international like movie star of of twenty fifteen mm. for a variety of reasons. Hey,
0: a Samoan man, good for you, right? Dude. Good. For so you, like bruh. it's it's great, but that's that is what
1: Warner Brothers is stuck on and they're kind of back into a corner Warner Brothers, CW, they're kind of back into a corner I'm really curious at what they're going to do because they still somehow are sneaking in really fascinating programming that
0: it's I really, love. yeah, love like The CW, kind of it's like a very strange problem because they have the demographic that everyone wants they have 18 through, what is it 25 mm-hmm. um, 26, something like that um, they have the very young demographic um, and what they, you know, but C- and CBS, like who's always typically number one, uh, unless there's like major sporting events, news events that NBC gets, as we talked about. Well, like, never mind. We talked about that off mic. <laughs> but um, it's like they, you know, the Nielsen, the nature of ratings, like it's about watching live and people our age just don't, you know, we don't own TVs we can't watch things live for very, this, that, and the other reason. Um, like, so it's just such an interesting thing. This is like, cause then it kind of almost means the CW would have to age up their content um, in order to capture right. that demographic and move up in the rankings. But like, that's so uh, different. That's so like the complete opposite of their brand. At this point. So sure. I honestly don't know how they would do that in a way that's clearly not pandering and right. that to create like a sort of happy medium that things, you know, eighteen year olds are gonna wanna watch, you know, but at the same time, you know, sixty eight year olds are gonna wanna watch.
1: Definitely. So yeah. their total viewership this past kind of fall season was two point two million. And that's the and that's a lot. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that is Less than half of what Fox is getting and Fox is mm. number four um, and I you know obviously we're not in Warner Brothers we don't know what their mm-hmm. their long-term plans are, but I have to wonder how much other revenue streams are, are getting them um, mm. especially because Warner Brothers is one of those few um, companies and brands that on the video game portion actually brands warner brothers um nbc abc and fox all have various licensing with video games but warner brothers is like has a clear division Mm -hmm. um that does video games with the fervent fans of cw shows i wonder like their merchandising streams how that is like comparing with like let's say um with NBC they have the minions like NBC makes money based on box office but they're making trillions on mil- on on minions and like Fast 7 merchandise oh really um, so what is Fast
0: I, 7 merchandise like wh- i mean wh- like between what? like between
1: t-shirts and like ca- like bottle openers and and DVDs and things like that Fast like Fast and Furious is easily merchandisable, like, you can make hmm. toys super easily, you can, like, because of their diverse cast, it works really well overseas, Oh, for and sure. the same reason with Minions, because they're, like, babbling yellow things. They're children, yeah. Like, they're f- it just I works mean, well, so, so mm-hmm. NBC, for a variety of different reasons, um, while they may not have total viewership as number one, like, they are maximizing different revenue streams and i i i wonder what warner brothers is is doing or thinking or or what the plan is and best of luck to them uh the the executives in cw like gird your loins and like fight for these great you know programming because you like they've been doing a great job picking great hits um and like, congratulations to Rachel Bloom for for winning for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because.
0: Oh, that's the thing we should talk about a little bit. Of Golden Globes. Great. Golden Globes are a mess. A huge mess. But <gasps> oh, I'm The glad... Martian was the best comedy of the year. <sighs> According like, to glad, people I'm who did not watch it. That's it. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's it. good. Oh, I'm happy um, Gail
0: Garcia uh, Gail Garcia Bernal um, yes. won for Mozart and the Jungle. I've only watched the pilot so far, but my goodness, this man is charming. As an actor, he is so good looking. He is, <laughs> and yes. hey, a person of color winning a Golden Globe is always a good thing when it is well earned, um, for sure. And it definitely was. He he gives a very good performance. I can't wait to continue watching this show. Everything else about the Golden Globes, I'm like pretty
1: meh about uh mm. which has been like the story of this award season for oh, me um uh, yeah. so like that's the biggest thing i think coming out of last year is that we immediately dove headfirst into awards season and of course mm. hashtag oscar is so white um yet again yet again reared its head reared its head once again for a variety of different reasons um so I guess if anybody is listening to this and don't know what that is, basically within all four acting categories at the Oscars, Oscars being the pinnacle of, of acting and, and filmmaking, um, there wasn't a single person of color.
0: Also best screenplay, not a person of color. Was, First straight yes. out of Compton, uh, did was get It was written a screen... by white people. Yeah. <laughs> it was written by a white dude. Um, by a group of white people actually. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I think the only people of color now I think it's just Inari to be honest, and maybe for best song something from No, I don't think anything out of straight out of Compton was nominated because it wouldn't no. have been anything new. I mean um, basically
1: it, it's very white and
0: It's really and just Inuritu who's
1: <laughs> who's right. nominated
0: for things Who this year. I
1: question for a variety of different reasons and, and I'm not entirely happy that the D G A rewarded him um, for Revenant, and, and for him, like, congratulations to him for being the first director to ever win consecutive DGA awards, whether or not I think, like, I personally think he deserves it, no, but good on him, like, he is, uh, you know, he is of Mexican descent, he is, he, he self-identifies as, as Latino, so awesome, my personal opinion, not awesome, but <laughs> in the grand scheme of the world, Great. The immediate backlash for Oscars so white um, was because of the acting um, categories, because that is always the most visible ones. Um, a lot of people said stupid things. Charlotte Rampling,
0: Julie Why? Delpy. I was like, I love you, honey, but please shut your mouth about something you yeah. know nothing about. You know, uh, nothing. Michael Caine.
1: I actually will kind of. I, I understand I, yes. what Michael Caine was saying. Yeah, I do not I agree. fault him the same way I fault like Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, like, she
0: should not have said those things. Julie Delpy is... should not have said those things. Yes. <laughs> um. Oh, what is the other? But like the thing that gets me was like even months ago, IndieWire and a lot of the big, um, not to just call out IndieWire, but um, you know, multiple press outlets were doing like roundups, like oh this is what the best actress category is looking like, you know, did it like in like November, like movies hadn't even come out yes. yet. Um, but they were, but it started to look extremely white to me. And I was like, we are not going to have the same conversation that we had last year, please God, somebody, <laughs> you know, and then sure enough, here we are. And I was like, and, and but they had the nerve to tap Chris Rock to host um, almost as in like, to me, it just seems like such a cheap and calcul first of all i love chris rock so much like he his comedy you know some of his later movies aside um although i will say top 5 was great um you know i have in the 90s early 2000s chris rock was pretty was doing like some really exciting things in comedy in the way in which he talks about race and diversity he did some really fantastic um bits that were very I don't want to say, like, informative, but, like, socially aware. I think that's what yes. I'm looking for. Very socially conscious, very aware, and had a way of, like, delivering them in a way that was, like, much like, a, in the same way the Daily Show. It's, like, educational, but, like, comedic. Um, and But a significantly, like, raunchier than that. Um, so getting someone, you know, who's known for, you know, wearing his blackness on his sleeve and who's speaking very critically about race in this country, um, to have him host the whitest (laughs) awards, uh, season this, it just, I, it's like they knew what was going to happen and then we're like, okay, you know, so sort of the thing like, yeah, we're sorry. So let's make sure there are black faces. Sure. Oh, and, and faces of color on the stage. And they tapped, like, some of the presenters. They made sure it was extremely diverse. The few of the names that came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and I was just like, it just seems so... It's like a, the most half-assed apology the Academy could have made. So, I agree to a certain extent. However...
1: You know, the, the producers are working on the Oscars like fairly early on. Um, Absolutely. And probably had Chris Rock ready to go. Um, there aren't a lot of people anymore in, in the industry that have like the hosting talents that like which is the reason why we have we've had so many repeat hosts, is that yeah.
0: like He's a repeat ho- host, actually. Yes. Yeah. Ho- like
1: hosting an award show is a difficult endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um hosting at wells is even even more so. Kind of going and I'm going to try to kind of combine a couple thoughts is that Kwame O'Pom on on The Verge back in, I believe, November, December um, kind of pre-award season but there's a lot of rumors and gossip going um, did a really, really great article about how hypocritical it is for the media sometimes to um, attack the entertainment industry for diversity when it is those editors, those writers um that focus on white people that focus on the common kind of like yeah. the easiest story um i highly recommend people i will link it in the show notes um it's a great great article and i think um when uh was it the hollywood reporter um their great cover i think is a is a fantastic first step But again, if you follow The Hollywood Reporter, if you follow Vanity Fair, um, if you follow Deadline, it's incremental change um, on on the reporting front, on the media, on the criticism front. That's interesting, yeah. And this is part of a larger conversation, I think. Um, Because this is a repeat of what happened last year, people are finally kind of realizing... And, and this has been no secret to people that have been within the industry, is that it's important for people behind the camera, behind the scenes to be diverse. And that has, I'm, I think that like conversation is finally like breaking the surface where like having executives, having writers, having directors, having producers be people of color, be women is like important. And, like, now people are getting it that it's not just, like, making sure the people in front of the camera. Like, we talked about this months ago with with project, Damon. Yes, with Matt Damon. But Mm -hmm. this is even more so, I think this is the point where, like, everybody needs to start, everybody being people in the industry, needs to start not only valuing the people behind the scenes more, which has always been a problem but valuing the people that are diverse and behind the scenes um absolutely there is a great podcast i think everybody should watch if if the wards kind of race is is important to you or or fascinating to you called little gold men which is on the panoply network which is actually um, a podcast with vanity fair they had a great podcast this past week, with Peggy Siegel. So Peggy Siegel is this kind of New York socialite who does marketing. Started as a fashion designer, but does marketing for, for movies. She's the one that organizes all the big parties, all the big dinners, that gets awards season going, that gets the mingling going, that that matches voters with the artists in a variety of capacities. Um, so she knows her stuff. She's amazing. The stories that she tells on, on the podcast are great, but. A really great point that she has is that she strongly believes, like, she's been doing this for years and years and years. She knows a lot of people, like, she casually talks to Leonardo DiCaprio about the fact that he needs to, like, do X, Y, and Z to win this, this award. And she makes a fascinating point that she doesn't believe that anybody or anybody within in the Academy is racist. Like, it is that is not the point. The point is that it is about awareness and appreciation and understanding mm not about some like internal bigotry and i think that is applicable to a lot of areas of the industry are there areas of the industry and are there people and executives that are racist absolutely however i don't think that is like the seed 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 of the problem the seed of the problem is that opportunities is are replicated within the same groups of people um it's a socioeconomic problem that, that spans a variety of different different sectors well,
0: uh- to go off your point, yes, yes, like a lot of what you're saying is absolutely true, but I think there still is definitely a certain level of uh, just like BS that just floats around Hollywood. Sure. Um, there's um, what's his name? Don Cheadle recently talked about in an interview. Um, his very much anticipated um, Miles Davis biopic is coming out. Uh, I think in this year. I think it's per premiering at Toronto, and I think a teaser's coming out during Tribeca in a few months. Um, And he talked about, like, he had been working, uh, this was like his passion project, he's been working on it on and off for close to a decade now, Um, and he said he could not get financing until he had a white actor, who turned out to be Ewan McGregor, uh, on board, attached to it, being told by executives that um, it is like, it will not... Uh, they had to create, they essentially had to, had to create a fictional white character who's a reporter, um, like to co-lead in order for this film to receive any kind of funding because films with black leads do not do well overseas, presumably in China and, you know, East Asia, which is the, mar- which is where a great deal of, um, international, the international, um, funds come or international box office comes from, which First of all, <laughs> uh Will Smith movies. Uh, he's the highest paid I think actor of all time. He's the most top grossing like actor I think living. Um so like over time like not necessarily in the past year or so, but just like if you if if taken holistically. So I'm like first of all that's kind of patently untrue. Um and I was just like I could not I'm like that is absolutely indicative of like sure of hollywood's headspace which i Um, don't disagree
1: with but i think the difference is the voting academy and the content producers are not always the same people
0: that's true um and they did introduce the new rules which people are not happy about which i think are fine because it's like
1: and they are indicative of of history. So back in the mm. the fifties and the sixties, a similar revamp was done, and that Under is Gregory how, Peck, right? Mm-hmm. And that is how a lot of of what we consider American classics, and American indies, won a lot of things. Like The Graduate would never have won an Oscar pre what Gregory Peck did to the the voting body. So I think Mm -hmm. that is great. However, I understand the the reasons why people are angry. And I think like, for example, Steven Spielberg has a great quote about about why, while he does agree with the academy changes,
0: he doesn't think that it's like quite what needs to be done. No. Yeah. And it's valid because it's assuming by admitting more brown people that brown people will just vote for other brown people on things. I'm like, no, that's not quite how that works right and 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 Um, that's and
1: that's peggy siegel's argument in in the in the little white or little gold men podcast is is that (laughs) little
0: white men wouldn't there's yes (laughs) (laughs) it would would be crazy wrong
1: but her her argument was that like nothing is a given no and for her and sometimes it sounds kind of weirdly aggressive because she is a you know She's kind of like part of the old, old Hollywood. Old money. Kind of group, yeah. But like she is mm. very smart and, and she's great at what she does. Is that like it is about quality. And, and she is the first one to admit that like there are some really silly reasons for, for why things won or, or didn't win. Or, or every movie that she's ever worked on. Right? She worked on 12 Years a Slave and they had to formulate a campaign to even get voters to watch not because of the race, but because of the violence within mm. within the movie. So like those, there's so many little things. There's so many variables involved that I I agree with Peggy that people need to just remember to focus on the storytelling mm-hmm. and, a, and about empowering people of color, women, people that don't normally get their stories told to tell their stories and to tell about. At the highest quality they possibly can. And in our current day society, that highest quality, you know, should be Oscar quality. Yeah. Um, and so she, she shouts out 12 Years a Slave. She shouts mm-hmm. out *Beast of No Nation. She, she, oh, fantastic. She understands yeah. that, like, these movies are good. Right. But like she also calls the revenant good, which I'm not like really sure. She, she does describe it as majestic and I will give her majestic. I don't know if it's good. It is. It is majestic. <laughs> but like she recognizes that there are high quality movies, but that this awards game, that's what it is. It's a huge it is, yeah. manipulative game. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, and while that helps us focus us being the general public, being, you know, people, helps us focus on what the problems are, like there are greater issues. Which is why like I I applaud Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy just started a foundation within his production company called the Half Foundation. And I think those are the steps that need to be taken. So he recognized within himself, within his own work that he doesn't hire many people of color of women. He hires more than like the average big producer, but he doesn't do it at at the at the frequency that he thinks. It should be, which is at least 50%. Um, so he's do- he has made a personal pledge to make sure that every director that he hires, that within all of his shows, at least 50% are either people of color um, or women or both, or people of LGBT identification. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Like, he... That to me, is a positive direction because it is supporting the people behind the scenes and by supporting the people behind the scenes, easier isn't the right word, but it just will lead to more on-screen representation at the diverse levels that we all want. Awards are great, and the fervor is fascinating and like it in, like impassions people. Mm-hmm. But I get a little frustrated sometimes when people are just like, This is this is it. Like if we can solve this academy problem, we're gonna solve all the problems.
0: No, yeah, absolutely not. Um, and it's also just like the vicious cycle of you can't complain about there being lack a lack of diversity just cause it just means those movies weren't good enough. Like piece of notation like movies like that are starring or created by people they just weren't good enough this year or they just aren't consistently and I'm like, well, no, here's like here's the thing. Like, the nature of the prestige film game, a lot of it is like, I'm choosing the script because like yes, I, I think it'll be profitable to some degree, but I want this to be awards bait. Like I'm I'm convinced most of what the Weinstein company pulls out, like, is like, I see the script, this can get us Oscars. Right. And so it's a vicious cycle of I'm going to make this the most Oscar Beatty thing I can. Black people don't win, or not even just black people. Like That's another thing that's kind of uh, frustrated me about this debate. It's very, like, why are there no black actors nominated? Mm. I'm like, well, yeah, that's frustrating. But, like, why are there also no Asian or Latino or Indigenous Absolutely. people? Oh, yeah, it, it, that's one thing that does concern me about this debate. It gets very narrow to African diasporic peoples, which I'm like, this country is, I mean, it very much... It focuses on the black-white nature of racism, but I'm like, that's that's too narrow. <laughs> like it's, that's For sure. not the, that's not the experience of everyone in this country. You know, within the black-white dynamic. Oh, people of color don't win Oscars because, like, you know, you can count on two hands. I think the number of best actors who are people of color. I think within two hands, it, and it's just like the vicious cycle of oh, they don't win a award, so why should I, you know, bother with this script that you know. Calls for an all Latino cast or an all you know what have you right? So it's the vicious cycle of that for one thing. Oh, and also there was a great article put out by the Hollywood Reporter. I wish I could remember who wrote it. Um, it was basically about the nature of stories of people of color that do get off, no- uh, that for do sure. get nominated, and it's very much <laughs> the contrast between. It can be the white everyman, you know, mm-hmm. the movies that are nominated this year, like Joy, about a white woman who invented a new type of mop, versus, like, the movies that, you know, are nominated, um, that are about, often, it, it, it focused, it focused more on African American, um, than, you know, any other racial group, it was like, those have to be exceptional stories, those have to be the Malcolm X, the mm-hmm. Selmas, um... You know that are nominated. It is not you know the idea of it has to be black exceptionalism to compete with the white everyman, right? In terms of movies that get nominated, like you know, and Beast of No Nation was just focused on normal you know African people. I mean, there is like a coney figure, like, but right? You know, it's it's not. There's like no white people in that movie. It's not a you know, and it's not about a. It's centered on a child, and it's not about like their rise to any like sort of greatness or whatever, you know. Right. In, uh, and in the way that we would normally think of it, is what I'm trying to say. So the point, is, like, and it was a really fascinating piece about like what stories are valued.
1: In terms of, of in terms of complex stories about people of color, um, I highly recommend PBS New Newshour did a great video um, with Dina Guerrera um, talking about why it's important for people of color to be represented humanly instead of yes. either be put you know as like the downtrodden or the heroic that exactly we are humans and that we have our ups and downs the same way you know, Jennifer Lawrence can have ups and downs and enjoy. Currently where I work, we're all about elevating LGBT stories. And mm-hmm. it's so easy to like, just want to highlight the worst and to want to highlight the best. It's important to highlight the normal and the average and the, the, the okay. every day, Yeah. And yeah. so that's something that we try to do at It Gets Better um, in terms of LGBT stories. And and that just needs to happen elsewhere, you know. Intersectionality exactly. is going, like, people have to just understand that intersectionality is where Life. we are moving to. You <laughs> have, like, that has to happen. How that is going to happen, no no clue. But that is what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with the Oscars problem on, on the surface level is that people don't understand that. And I I hope, as the conversation continues, especially on on the the behind-the-scenes portion of things, that that people just, like, slowly get it in their heads that it is all about intersectionality. It is all about the fact
0: that we're all humans. Also, in the words of Meryl Streep at the Berlin (sighs) Film Festival, we are all Africans- in We're, a way qu- quick
1: quick Meryl side side note because I, I do oh, I do love <laughs> I do love Meryl
0: and I I respect her as an I just can't as a human being so anymore. I am I, I am <laughs> not
1: going to defend her words I am going to defend yeah. the fact that it was kind of inappropriate for that question have been asked and she was like Meryl Streep while an amazing actress and an intelligent woman the the ability to respond to a a quick question that has mm-hmm. no pertinence to pertinence to where yeah. you are in and what you're doing, that is a difficult skill that I don't think Meryl Streep has, and I don't think she would ever admit to having, like to be being like quick witted. And and she like had to stumble through it and I Like, if you were to, like, give Meryl a piece of paper, ask her the same question, and give her, like, 20 minutes to write down an answer, she would probably have a better answer. But she was thrown off guard, um, and I feel kind of awful. Like, I, I don't feel awful enough to, like, oh, Meryl's the best, the best, the best. But it was Meryl at a weak moment. Yeah. and I
0: don't know. For me, it's just peak white feminism. Like, this whole, you know, um, sure. pay... First of all, it's affecting women in the industry across the board, whether they're in development or on camera or whatever. Like, it, it's affecting, you know, whatever race. Like, there is a huge pay inequality issue in Hollywood. No one's arguing that. Um you know, even Jillian Anderson was offered like half of what David Duchovny was for that. And, and she, fought,
1: she fought to have the same pay. Exactly. Which, good, good for her. her. Go good for Jillian. her for being in the position to do that. Good for her yeah, exactly. agents for putting her in that position to do that. Like all of these things had to come together, but that should always happen.
0: But you notice Jennifer Lawrence uh, wrote an article and put it in a Variety, some Lenny, major public, the the Lena Dunham newsletter. Okay, oh, that's for another time. Uh, <laughs> um, she wrote an article about pain inequality, and then Chris Rock meant well. He, he the his phrasing left something to be desired, but he sure. effectively said, "You have not." He basically accidentally like put down like the the point that she was trying to make it, it was basically like you have nothing to complain about compared to the treatment black actresses have and the pay crap that they have to deal with um absolutely true and especially since you notice again uh, i think we made the point on this spot, actresses of color of any background are not making their voices heard sure. on this issue because they know life is hard as it is <laughs> work is scarce um, as actresses of color, you know, and you can't, and, and the possibility of being labeled as difficult, you know, quote unquote, difficult and hard to work with is all too real. Um, and so it's not in their interest to rock the boat. Um, and just Meryl Streep. And again, and like, this is like the second incident Meryl has had, um, in the name of the pay equality issue, where do you, you remember the T-shirt thing?
1: Yeah, and again, the, that's, the T-shirt thing was that terribly I'm upsetting. i a little bit more like that. I can understand.
0: But how did you pick the most more. obscure line from sure. this? It was suffragette speech. I
1: would also add, there's like another layer of complexity. Like one, it shouldn't have happened because a lot of people had to okay that. Like a so lot many of people, people must have it. okayed. But that. the other thing is yeah. that while the UK is a progressive country, and and this that movie was. You know, British made and and really for a British audience more than anything. Absolutely, yeah. Is that the 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 UK is kind of like super awful? The UK can be really really racist. Oh, really, they're really extremely xenophobic. There
0: is a lot of xenophobia, uh, especially with the Roma and community. So, like, that
1: know. I that just like adds another layer, adds more variables. But like, Mer- like Meryl's Meryl's sidetrack. You know, over like I disagree with her words, but I don't think that that Meryl means
0: I don't think poorly. she means poorly, but it's on. A, it's just, it's white feminism. Like, the nature of it is, sure. no, we don't mean well, we don't hate people. Of a different, you know, it's not out of disdain, it's not out of malice, but it's almost a deliberate oversight. It's to the point of like... I don't know if I it's
1: don't deliberate not- motor oversight. I think it's a pragmatic approach.
0: Mmm... It is yeah. the same thing that people, uh.
1: supporters like like Bernie haters and, and, and or Bernie supporters and, and Hillary supporters and Hillary haters. That, and that's something that people dislike about Hillary as in terms of her perception issue is that she's too pragmatic, right? It seems really cold. Mm. And I think it's, it's a bit of like, it, it's a bit of a response to where women have always been is that we have to focus on one issue at a time. Whether or not that's true anymore in in this world is like another issue entirely. But for people growing up, for women growing up, people like women Meryl's age, it was always about pick one issue, fight for it, and once that goal is attained, on to the next one. And it is just a different mindset, right? We come from the mindset that like, no, why isn't it just a systemic change? that should be what what happens but from somebody's meryl age or somebody you know jillian anderson's age or whatever it is like it is pick one thing like for gloria Steinem, it's always pick that one thing Mm -hmm. we fight for this thing i would argue that emma watson is doing the same thing right like she just wants equality but as a white woman it's easiest for her to focus her audience her power into a single issue is she slowly branching out absolutely like her malala interview is wonderful and and she's a very smart woman and i applaud everything she does but on a pragmatic approach based on history based on examples i cannot fault older feminists older white feminists for the mindsets that they have it is what worked so why would you not repeat the thing that what that has worked before I don't entirely agree with it, but I am not going to fault them nor attack them for not being able to understand and act upon intersectionality the same way that we feel, and we have an easier time with understanding and, and acting upon intersectionality. Uh,
0: yeah, I see your point, but I'm like, I just see, like, all of... Who who did a spread on it? I want to say Variety, uh, but somebody... there was re- it's just like, it's, it just seems so ubiquitous among feminism in Hollywood. There was some, uh, it was like an all-female creative team production crew. And they were like, no one, f-, and like the big like banner uh, across the uh, spread was like, no one felt left out. It was like a very inclusive, very affirming atmosphere. Sea of white women. And I'm like, how, how can you argue about... <laughs> You know a lack of diversity in like it would it would not be that hard, you know what I mean to have you know in 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 your asking for and this is not this is a little separate from the pay issue, but it's just a, an opportunity issue um if you're going for you know diversity and creating better stories and just rah rah feminism in Hollywood and it's twenty sixteen and we need to be this that and the other. How hard is it for you to not reach for you to reach out to any person of color, any woman sure. of color,
1: absolutely, like with it- an
0: opportunity, or even like for that photo shoot, that Maril Streep it, or even you know, obviously she didn't choose that panel she was on at Berlinale, like that's clearly outside of her control. I do not fault her for that, um, but I'm like, how hard is it in this movement with her and Patricia Arquette and Jennifer Lawrence, like even. You know, if they don't want to, you know, even if the actresses themselves, actresses of color, say no for their own reasons, like, you just see no level of reaching out, no concern, no outrage for what their co-stars and you know their friends, quote unquote, you know, are being paid. You know right. what I mean? I mean, I like no that one is, is standing up for them, or that w- is the know. next
1: step. And I think what is happening is is that you know. Eva Longoria's, Jennifer Lopez's production companies, Shauna Rimes' production companies, groups that like are primarily people of color. That is great, like that from an action angle, like they are creating their own shows, they are creating their own content that people love as an, as a, an example of what can be done. And then on the other side, I think, you know, those white feminists, like, it's going to happen slowly. And eventually, like, those two sides, those two different sides are going to come together and we're going to have, like, a great thing. Like, all we can ask for is that currently, and what we should always be striving for, is that those production companies that are run by women, that are run by people of color, continue to be listened to. Mm -hmm. And the white feminists on the other side continue to diversify how they think and, like, reanalyze how they view things now that they are in a position of power. Um, Absolutely. Vox had a really great article about why um, young feminists don't support Hillary Clinton in general, young women. And it's a really great argument. It's that, like, they assume that, like, this is what it's always been like, that they will always be this close to equality, versus for older feminists they know that it was such a long fight exactly for hillary to be mm-hmm. even in this position and so mm-hmm. it is that cognitive dissonance that happens on both sides whether you're white black latino asian whatever whatever your age is that 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 hasn't really you know stabilized and it hasn't really formed into a coherent thought yet across the board um, and that's just something that needs to happen, in, like you know us continuing out of this conversation um and people listening to this type of conversation is that that's that's what we can do um it is up to the people in power positions to make the action steps that we cannot yeah and that's it for our recap and 2016 oscars themed episode of the people of cinema podcast where
0: can people find you carrie They can find me on Twitter at at sassy stereotype, spelt the usual way, Uh, or at kerrykears.com, k-e-r-r-i-k-e-a-r-s-e.com. I I now added a blog component where I am attempting um, a project I call hashtag consume color, where I try and consume... um, the goal is like two films uh, a week and four books a month um, within different cultural categories. So February being Black History Month is African American literature film. Um, next month is not entirely sure. It's either I think it's American Indian. Um, April is Latino, uh, Hispanic works, and May culminating in Asian American history, uh, coinciding with Asian American History Month. So if you're interested and want some good recs on stuff to watch and read, follow.
1: You can find me at wwingwong on Twitter, as well as on my website, wintonwong.com. That's W-Y-N-T-O-N-W-O-N-G.com. See you next time.